0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Bluck. I'm along with my coworker, Jordan Bianchi. We are writers for The Athletic. I am here at Richmond Raceway, where we have just seen the second race of the NASCAR playoffs. And um, yeah, this one, you know, to me, um, I'm not too, wasn't too high on it. I'd be interested to hear Jordan's thoughts. But, um, you know, I felt like NASCAR has been on a nice little run here lately. And this just... Wasn't one of the the better races, Jordan. what What did you uh, What did you think of tonight's race at Richmond Raceway? Based on other Richmond races, this
1: was a, not a bad race. I, I was, it, it was fine. I wasn't offended by it. I didn't think it was the worst thing ever. It wasn't the most exciting race overall, no. But had it not been for a Kyle Busch penalty late, we might have had a a better, better, closer finish. Um, it was fairly typical in the fact that a Joe Gibbs Racing organization dominated this race led a lot of laughs one of their drivers Um, you look at the number of lead changes you look at the number of cautions this kind of falls in line with it and i thought there was a lot of passing tonight which is something we don't always see throughout a lot of richmond races kyle larson martin truex jr both came from the back kyle larson went from the back we had comers and goers we had guys making uh martin truex jr making a green flag pass to the lead kyle bush making a green flag pass to the lead I wasn't offended by this race. Again, this is a low bar, though. Richmond has not been the most exciting track. It feels like every time we have a Richmond race, we sit here and talk about, we just basically beg on the race, the track for an hour, which it's kind of deserved. But it wasn't that bad tonight. Was it as exciting as other races we've had this year? No, not close. But it wasn't horrible.
0: I, you guys, dear <laughs> listeners, I feel like we've lost Jordan to the 750 Truthers. He's uh, making excuses for this race. That-
1: I said nothing. Okay. First, all,
0: I said nothing about the package. Zero. you, you You're I, the sev- a hallmark of a 750 truther is saying that it was a good race just because no, it was a 750 race.
1: If anything, Are- I'm a Richmond truther because the Richmond is a bad track. It just is not good. We've talked about it. Last, if you go back to the last podcast in the spring. This is not a good track. It's not a short track. It's not a speedway. It's
0: just somewhere in between, and whatever it is in between is not good. But this wasn't bad. So you're saying this race was better than the spring race? The, the, the spring race was – the only reason the spring race was better was because of the finish, because you got a restart with – what was it? How many
1: laps left to go, and Alex Bowman pumped up the air pressures in his tires, and he got a great restart and hung on for dear life. That's the only reason that race was redeemable.
0: Okay, but here's the thing. So you just said that last podcast we both agreed for an hour that Richmond wasn't a good race and it it wasn't a good track and all this stuff. Now here tonight you come and say, hey, you know, I didn't mind it, not bad, and you're saying the spring race was better. How how can you no, justify? No, well, the spring it? race was
1: not better. This race was better than the spring race overall. That had a better. You just finish. said
0: that race was better. No, I you just said it had said a that.
1: better finish. No, no, I rewind said the tape. Okay. okay, let me clarify then, just so there's no, the finish of that race was better. This race overall was better.
0: Okay. Look, I I didn't think either of these races was good. This is why I get headaches, by
1: the way.
0: I'm sorry? This is why I get headaches. Listen, this race wasn't a good race. The last race, the spring race, wasn't a good race. And the race here last fall was not a good race. You've had three races in a row at a supposed short track, a place that used to be called the action track, without a single multi-car incident. Three races in a row. That's 1,200 laps. No multi-car incidents. Our friend Nate Ryan pointed out that, like the last six or seven races here, have had this pattern of three cautions, five cautions, five cautions, three cautions. N- none have had even six cautions. This is, again, I'm judging this by short track standards. It shouldn't be like a mile and a half, but it races like that if for whatever reason. And I feel bad saying this because I really like the people here. I like the track. I like the the job they've done with this facility with the renovation. Um, I used to live in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, for my first, um, newspaper job. And this was sort of like my home track. I loved coming here. I have a lot of great memories and I, but it just doesn't race like it used to when I first was coming here in uh, the mid two thousands. It just doesn't. Um, it's not a good race for the most part anymore. And I don't know how you fix that, but you know, to, to try to make two races a year and have one in the playoffs. And I, I wish it wasn't this way. I wish it was a good race. I I didn't fly all the way out here to just be like, Oh, this race sucks. Oh, yet again. But it's, it just wasn't a good race. I'm sorry. Like I, I didn't see anything tonight where, where you're like, wow, wow. That was really a, a wonderful uh, performance and show. Like it was a typical Richmond race, which lately hasn't been good. Three of the cautions out of the five tonight were planned. And then you had Kurt Busch's deal and Bubba Wallace's deal with tires or whatever happened. And that's it. Like, You had 130-lap green flag runs or whatever they were twice, two very, very long runs. Um, I think there was, like, what, three or four green flag pit stops tonight. I mean, again, if it's a a mile-and-a-half track, I would judge it by a different standard. But this is a short track. There's only five short track races a year because thanks to Bristol Dirt, okay? And then two of those five races are at Richmond, which doesn't race like a short track anymore. This fans are being really deprived here by what should be the heart and soul of NASCAR, which is short track racing. I'm bummed to say this, but I just I'm I don't know how you fix it, but it's just not working right now.
1: We had this exact same pod, same discussion on the last
0: podcast. And to
1: me, it comes down to Goodyear bringing a better tire, and you've got to figure out a way to make the track race here, have it multiple groups, and make guys have passes. And like Bristol is best when you can make passes, you can move up, you can move around. Bruce, uh, Martinsville is a classic short track where their tire wear and tire management matters. You don't have those those factors here at Richmond. It's just not. And guys get spread out because it is bigger than both of those. And when you don't have when you have a field spread out, you don't have guys sliding around and tire wear and having managed tires. You're not gonna have contact.
0: Yeah, no, I know. i bit But it's just. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can point a finger at Goodyear. I don't know if you can point a finger at the track for not doing prep or, or, or whatever. Um, you know, I, I, I would, I'm not really like, Oh, there needs to be resin on this track to, I mean, I don't know if that make a difference. I mean, I suppose if it would have made a difference, it's worth
1: trying though, because they haven't used it for a few years now. And NASCAR has gone away from the PJ one, which I think we all agree is probably a good thing. I, I wouldn't be opposed if they tried resin here to see if that works. It, it, they had a lot of success with it at, um, Nashville, a lot of success with it at Michigan. I think it's worth shot here to try it. It can't put it this way. You can't really do much worse, right? If they, if you're, I mean, so why not give it a shot?
0: I guess I bet, you know, anyway, like, I, I don't mean to, to, you know, keep harping on this, but it's just like, man, Richmond, like, and uh, <laughs> I, I I feel bad. Like, and, and you're probably right. Cause you could probably could go back to our spring podcast um, where Alex Bowman won, and listen to it, and we'd probably be saying a lot of the same things. But it's just like, man, this this track has had so many chance. Like, you know, for a while it was the it was the playoff cutoff race for so many years, uh, or the regular season cutoff, and you would go and you'd be like, all right, something's gonna happen. There's gonna be drama tonight, and there were it was a couple times. One of them was being a scandal, but for the most part, you're like, ah, man, like that that was kind of a bummer. Um, aside from, again, the mid two thousands, you know, Casey Kane racing his way in and things like that, or sorry, uh, Jeremy Mayfield, Jeremy Casey Rachel. Kane's, Casey Kane's first win, um, coming in the mid two thousands as well. Um, but you know, you're, you're just like, ah, uh, I don't know. Like I just, I just wish there was some easy answer or solution, but I'm just, it's just not giving me what I want. Anyway, we can move on. Um, because I, I would just keep repeating myself, but you know, thank goodness for the playoffs in a way, I guess, because at least you had some storylines to talk about, because if you take the playoff storylines away from this race, um, I think it, it even, you know, because th- that kept it interesting, right? Like um, the the Chase Elliott pit stop thing, um, you know, like, oh, how is this going to affect the playoffs or, um, you know, th- those guys trying to stay on the lead lap, the the moment where Byron and Elliott were racing and, and that kind of changed the outcome for Byron. So. Let's kind of go through here. Um, first of all, JGR was going to run one, two, three, four. So clearly, it's very strong start, Jordan for JGR on the 750 tracks, as as we uh, expected. But maybe even better than we expected. These first two races now, um, man, JGR is looking strong. They're going to be the favorites at Bristol. Uh, what, what do you make of it?
1: I'm not surprised. I mean, Darlington and Richmond are two of Joe Gibbs Racing's best tracks. I mean, historically, their drivers run really well there. Um, you know, you look at the recent winners at Darlington, it's filled with Joe Gibbs Racing drivers. Denny Hamlin, Eric Jones, Truex, I mean, the list goes on. They have all won races there and had a lot of success. And then Richmond is their playground. This is where they they have, they have win races. They They don't just win races at Richmond. They dominate. They lead huge chunks of laps. Um, every single year I mean so this isn't surprising and I, I think they have a really good chance to continue this winning streak in the in Bristol but I wouldn't call them the the favorite over everyone. I think there's quite a few guys that have a good chance there I think this is the the start what this does for me is it reaffirms the belief that we've talked about was you can you look down at the packages and the 750 package where's Martin Truex Jr. so good at this year 750 package four wins all four on 750 tracks, and we talked about how the playoffs set up well for him. This round, um, strong strong last week at Darlington, probably had a winning race car if he didn't have his issues that he had with the pit strategy and getting caught and everything. And then he comes here, wins, and we've talked about it before. You look ahead to the playoffs a little bit. Martinsville, Phoenix, those are 750 tracks. And this just reaffirms the belief that – yes, we, we talk a lot about Kyle Larson and he's the, you know, he's won all these races and he's good everywhere. You break it down though. Martin Shooks jr. When it comes to a 750 track is darn good. And I think if they get to Phoenix, um, that he's going to be hard. He's going to be a tough out.
0: Well, this is exactly what Brad Keselowski said at Daytona. And we talked about on this podcast two weeks ago. He said, you know, the, the JGR cars and he was hoping perhaps the Penske cars, um, you know, had a, had some strength on the 750 tracks. Now it, it turns out the Penske cars, they don't have it. They don't have yeah. it the same way that the JGR cars have it. And and they were very, you know, Logano and, and Keselowski were both very disappointed tonight when when we got to talk to them afterwards. I mean, they're just, you could see it on their faces. Like they just don't have the speed right now to run with JGR. But Keselowski had said, you know, Hendrick is maybe sort of a weak point there and on, on the 750 tracks. And I, I think that may be coming true. Um, and, of course, we thought, okay, the, the Hendrick is going to be a force um, in the playoffs because of the 550s as well. And, and really, they are strong at other places as well, um, even on the 750s. But, you know, all of a sudden you could have two Hendrick drivers gone out of the playoffs potentially. Um, William Byron is in big trouble. He's probably going to have to go to Bristol and win. I'm shocked by this. Um, I thought I have him in the Final Four. I mean, I, I really did not see this bad of a a deal coming for them. I mean, they were way off tonight. He was very, very bummed. Um, Now Darlington wasn't his fault, you know, Um, you know, some bad circumstances triggered by Alex Bowman who took responsibility, but um, you know, he's way below the cut line. Alex Bowman's right on the cut line tied for, for the final spot. Um, And Bowman said, you know, I didn't feel like we ran terrible tonight, but I put myself in a terrible position at, at Darlington trying to be a hero on lap seven or whatever, and and now here we are. Um, you know, it's... Uh, so, you know, you could have a lot of Hendrick strength removed before they even get to Phoenix, potentially. Um, you know, obviously, Larson's through. Elliott's probably going to be through. But I, I don't think this is the slam dunk for Hendrick that we, that we once thought, and especially when you look at the strength of Gibbs on 750 tracks. To me, it's really, really shifting toward if a Gibbs car can get there or if two Gibbs cars can get there, if it's like a Hamlin Truex thing. Um, I mean, Kyle showed a lot of strength for a speeding penalty tonight. He was probably yep. going to win, probably going to win the race. And, um, you know, you put those cars at Phoenix, that's, that's going to be looking good for them. Even if it's up against a Larson or Elliot Elliott to me,
1: I agree with everything you said there. I, I 100%. I think if Hamlin R Truex gets to Phoenix, I would be inclined to label him the championship favorite over Larson. The fact that TrueRich won there earlier this year, the fact that they're better on the 750 tracks, I think that gives them a big edge, and I think it's a huge no. I think it's a huge surprise. I, I would let me start off. I was not, I'm not surprised that a Hendrick driver is going to be eliminated in the first round. I had Alex Bowman going out in the round one. I think it is a big story though that Hendrick conceivably could have two drivers go out in the first round. Um, I think we agree Michael McDowell is, is probably out, barring some kind of miracle act of God, him winning Bristol or something of that nature. But Alex Bowman is, is right on that danger line. He's tied right now with Tyler Reddick for that last spot. But William Byron is in a really tough spot where he's going to have to take advantage of other people's opportunities and maybe get some stage points, and that that's going to be tough to do. And for the second year in a row, William Byron is going into Bristol with his playoff fade up in the air and he could be a round one casualty again, it is to me a huge surprise at 200 drivers in a year that they have dominated seemingly everywhere. And we've talked about them and all, you know, they're going to be down from four to two. And the idea that they're going to get more than one playoff, one more than one driver in the final four is starting to look unlikely.
0: Yeah. Let's just review the playoff picture real quick, or at least the bubble. So, um, Hamlin, Truex, and Kyle Larson are through. Larson being already clinched on points. Logano's pretty comfortable. He's plus 40. Blaney, um, who used to suck at Richmond, um, did enough tonight and obviously uh, in week one that um, he's plus 28. Harvick, your guy who's going to make a deep playoff run, plus 25. You, you know, barring something going very wrong for them, like getting caught up in a crash at Bristol, you feel pretty good about where they are. Chase Elliott, plus 19. You know, you don't feel secure when you get under 20 points, but you feel okay as long as you do your job. Christopher Bell, plus 17. Now it starts to get iffy. Brad Kozlowski is plus 13, but he's obviously great at Bristol. Kyle Busch, plus 8, but he's obviously great at Bristol. Kurt Busch is plus 0. He's, you know, a Bristol winner multi-time. And Now Eric Omerola, I skipped over him. He's plus 3. I don't feel as good about him going there and winning, but you know, he could maybe have a good run. So that's, that's a tall order for Alex Bowman there. um, And Tyler Reddick, who's minus five and Alex Bowman is tied with Kurt Busch last spot. But Alex Bowman even said like, you know, lucky us, um, you know, sarcastically in the dry Bowman way, uh, you know, everybody ahead of us, you know, fortunately they aren't any good at Bristol, but it's Kurt, Kyle, Kozlowski. That's, that's a tall order for anybody outside. And Byron being minus 18, Unless there's a multi-car wreck where a bunch of people fall out, um, he's going to be in trouble. So it's uh, it's really it's really I'm, I'm very surprised. Like I said, uh, like Bowman, I don't think is as big of a surprise, but to me, Byron um, just not even being close. Um, man, I I like I said, I mean, obviously I, I had him in my final four along with two other Hendrick drivers and Truex. Truex looking good. Um, the other, the <laughs> idea of three, yeah, you, you might want to redo your bracket. Just FYI, maybe a do over, maybe take some white out. Yeah. I mean, not looking good. No. Um, so, uh, you know, what, what do you make of like, you know, the, the Kurt Bush situation? I, I think, you know, you saw him go out with a wreck and your immediate reaction is, oh, wow, he's in trouble, but he thought so he was many, in trouble too. Yeah, you're right. So many of the other people that could have taken advantage of, of his run did not and so he goes to bristol like technically tied on the plus side still in it despite what happened so that just shows you um you know what a good run can do for you uh like like he had at darlington so man that i i was i was just i couldn't believe when i looked up at the points as they run like hey he's still he's still okay
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was a time there where I thought William Byron was going to be really buried in points. And, I mean, that he's not as far behind as he is is a little surprising. And then there was a time when Blaney was really badly struggling. I mean, he was out of the top ten, falling a lap down, and it was like, oh, wow, this was going sideways in a hurry. The radio chatter was a little tense, you know, and you're like, okay. And I, and I looked at the standings, and he's like plus 20. I'm like, okay, it's not as bad as it can be. But I thought this was a big opportunity for our Brad Keselowski tonight to really kind of separate himself a little bit. I know he's still plus 13 going into Bristol, which is a nice margin to have, but that can go away in a hurry, you know, because you don't know what's going to happen at Bristol. I thought this was a good opportunity for him to really pad his points a little bit, maybe even get a win, and didn't really do that. And I was really surprised by that. Um, I thought this would be a good opportunity for, like, a Logano to to get – a possible win. We've only seen him win victory lane once this year. That didn't happen. Um, and I thought this was an opportunity for Chase Elliott to to kind of assert himself a little bit. And I've kind of been waiting for him to kind of come to life. And he was strong tonight, led some laps, was in contention, but had an issue on pit road that could have been disastrous and ended up bouncing back and still leaving with the top five. So there was a lot of guys tonight that I think left a lot of points on the table.
0: Yeah. um, I mean, first of all, the Elliott thing, you know, I I think he might have, you know, sort of ended up where he would have, even if he hadn't had that the disastrous pit road thing. Um, You know, he ends up fourth behind three Gibbs cars. It looked like Gibbs cars were going to just run away with it anyway, I guess. Um, You know, maybe he could have gotten a couple positions more, but clearly, clearly they had the strength. Um, So he ended up as the, the best of the rest. Kyle Busch obviously left some points on the table with his speeding penalty. He finished ninth, but, you know, he probably was going to finish second at, at worst. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really hurts considering he's plus eight. Now, Eric Almirola yeah, left some point. points. Uh, Eric Almirola as well because he had to make two pit stops there uh, as because of a loose wheel. Um, so, you know, maybe he would have finished. I mean, he ended up 14th. I mean, let's say he would have gotten, I don't know, five, six more points. I don't know how many positions that cost him, but. It's it's a big difference to be plus three as he is now and plus eight or nine even right so and for a guy um, like
1: that who I think it's going to be challenge it's going to be tough for him to go to Bristol and, and win that race or even produce a top five because you look at the guys who could historically run well there it's a pretty long list of guys that's hard for him to break through and your Eric Amarillo, you need every single point you can get so three four five points you left on the table tonight and, and an opportunity to run better. There's a really good chance in a week you're going to be looking back on, damn, um, we could use those points right now.
0: Yeah, and and the more you talk about it, like like for instance, let's say Eric Almirola versus Alex Bowman. I, I personally would go to Bristol thinking, okay, Alex Bowman is probably going to run outrun Eric Almirola by more than three positions. Do you do you agree?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, because the way they ran this year, I mean, Bowman's. I, I would agree with that. I, I mean, there's a look, there's a couple caveats in there, but yeah.
0: So that's, that's one position right there. And then I guess it kind of comes down to, can Tyler Reddick, do you think Tyler Reddick could outrun Eric Almorola by eight positions? Cause that's how far he is behind. Yes. Okay. So that's a problem for Eric Almarola. There, there's two guys below him that could outrun him by eight positions or three positions um, depending on the points. And then you, you would assume that Kurt Busch is behind him could outrun him by three positions as well. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a big problem. All, you know, there's three guys behind them who could jump over him in points, even if nobody else had an issue and fell out, that's, that's not a good place to be in. So um, yeah, I don't feel super confident about that, that for them.
1: No, I, I don't either. I, and this is why I had, you know, this is why I had Eric Almirola out. I think, I think Michael McDowell is out. I look at what, at least one of the Hendrick drivers is probably out after next week for sure. And I think what Bristol's going to come down to is what Bristol often comes down to, is avoiding trouble. It is that bad result that you get caught up in someone else's mistake and you can't get out of it. And if you can't do that, you know, that happened to William Byron last year at Bristol. He got into it with a lap car, not of his own doing, and his playoff is over. It's all going to be about just picking your way through it and and trying to make it to the finish in one piece. And if you can do that, you should be in good shape, but it's a lot easier harder to do then it's a lot easier said than done
0: so i i'm seeing bristol a little bit differently because i'm i'm looking at it and thinking okay i i could see a high chance for sort of a freakish multi-car incident sure. that takes out two or three of these guys you know who are running in the top 10 you know maybe it's one guy's fault or or two guys get into it and another yeah, person gets swept up yeah so i think yeah you want to go run well um but even like a, you know, potential Byron type, if he has a decent top ten night, um, I mean, would it be shocking if some one of these guys that's like plus seventeen, plus thirteen, um, they get in a wreck and all of a sudden, you know, they finish thirty something and and you finish top ten, overcome their their th- that deficit in an instant, you know? Um, so I, I wouldn't feel. Yeah, I mean it's Bristol's a scary place to be going and not having enough of a lead, unless you're really Logano. I mean, even even a Blaney situation, who's plus twenty eight. I mean, you, I guess you just you just don't feel super great about that. Which is, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a very, uh, I, I guess one one weird thing about it is nobody knows what to expect at Bristol, right? There was no Bristol spring race this year because you had the dirt race, and then how do you um, feel about
1: the Bristol dirt race?
0: We don't need to talk about that. The bottom line is this is going to be very different because, as Logano said, they cleaned off the track from all that, from all the dirt, right? So they had to power wash it or whatever. So it's probably a very interesting surface. And then he said that, at least according to him, Alex Bowman didn't know this, and I haven't gotten this confirmed yet. But Joey Logano says they're going to use the resin at Bristol, not PJ1. So. That's never been used at Bristol before. Nobody knows what that's going to do at Bristol. And there's no practice. I was just kidding. There's no practice either. So that's a hell of an
1: experiment to, to throw that down before the, the cup race.
0: Yeah. Um, I said to Logano, hey, great time for no practice, huh? And he said, well, actually, great time to have a 40-point lead. So, um, <laughs> 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 which he does. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> you'll be able to see it in, in the uh, the truck race and the Xfinity race. That's he, Yeah. You know, they'll study that. But, yeah, that's uh, going to be real interesting because if, if that's the case, nobody knows what they're going to do. And, and, you know, Bristol, even with the PGA1, PGA it's sort of like a different race every time in a way too. So uh, I really don't know what to expect there. It's going to be very interesting.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I say this because we, we're joking about this, but they had thrown down resin before at Michigan this year with no practice. It was fine. They went to Darlington where they, they repaved and turned two, and there's questions about that. It was fine. So I, I know it's easy to make jokes and everything, but they, they kind of got this figured out. They kind of know what they're doing. Now, that said, Speedway Motorsports tracks, and I wrote about this on The Athletic, don't have the best track record of success of preparing tracks. So that 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 scares me more than the fact that they're applying resin. It's just the fact of who is in charge of pr- track prep.
0: Oh, okay. I see where you're going. Well, you did, you did write a – article for the most the 10 most intriguing people um in the playoffs and you put whoever prepares the tracks for smi which i believe is steve swift yeah so you're calling out steve swift here
1: i think it's fair to say i mean if you look at i mean there's a long list of issues with smi tracks over the years i mean th- the facts speak for themselves whether it's texas whether it was kentucky whether it's bristol i mean it, it the numbers don't lie I mean it's it, it starts to add up and drivers have taken notice I mean it's you've, you've heard this from many drivers say SMI when it comes to applying tracks they don't talk to us they don't ask our opinion we when we say something they almost do the opposite and I, I think that's a fair criticism I think when you sit there and look at this the number of tracks that have issues what's the common denominator they're all owned by the same company
0: yeah. Jordan, um, is there anything else that you want to talk about um, from the Richmond Cup race before we move on to other topics? It's,
1: yeah, it's just it's it's about Michael McDowell in the playoff. We talked about this going in. We talked about this in the podcast last week of like, if for him to get out of round one, he was going to have to be perfect and he was going to have to kind of hope for everyone else to make mistakes. Well, he's had everyone else make mistakes. There's been a lot of issues with playoff guys and, and what so forth. But three speeding penalties tonight, you can't have that. Like, you can't crash out at Darlington super—you can't crash out at Darlington like he did. And I just—I am just—I'm not surprised that he's going to be a first-round elimination. I'm just surprised that it's going. he's going out like this. And that, that to me, just jumped out to me.
0: Let's also, um also—I'd like to get your thoughts on the Martin—I know he, he ended up winning, so I guess it didn't cost him. But Martin Truex Jr. penalized at the start of the race for jumping the start. And he said afterwards, look, I gave— I gave Denny Hamlin, who was technically the pole sitter after Larson fell back for failing pre-race inspection, I gave him a nose and I let him go first. And then he spun his tires. So my other option was to slam on the brakes and wreck the entire field. That's what they would have rather had me do. You know, so what What do you think? You know, I know the, the rule is you cannot beat the leader to the line at the start of the race. It's different than a restart, but... It, does he have a case there for like that being a dumb uh, rule or dumb penalty? Yeah. I mean, if that's the case, if Hamlin did spin his tires and it
1: looked like on um, review that he kind of did, I mean, Truex is right. I mean, he, if the letter of the law says he has to stop and let Hamlin go. Then you're just going to have everybody stack up accordion style. So what do you do if you're Truex there? But, you know, so the question that comes down to is, can, is there a way to for NASCAR to, to check whether it's looking at video evidence or telemetry? And seeing, hey, wait a second, there was a little bit of a wheel spin on Hamlin's car. We're going to let this one go. I, I don't know if you can do that in a way. Because you look at the videotape, it's not conclusive that Hamlin spun his tires. So I don't know how you police that fairly to to do it. Otherwise, you just have to get rid of the rule in general. And then you go back to the nonsense of, you know, we've had a lot of goofy restarts over the years. Or, let I me mean, ask you this, do you just go with how the restarts are, with how the start of the race is done, similar to restarts where you enter a zone and you go. Maybe that's the rule. Maybe that's what you do to get rid of this.
0: Well, the flagman starts the race. Yeah. You know, the, the green flag starts the race. The, the restarts are based on the leader going in the zone. The leader decides, um, I think you could maybe have some sort of compromise where the flagman does still start the race. But if the leader does spin their tires, you're allowed to beat the leader to the line. I understand NASCAR wants the pole sitter to cross the stripe first as like signaling the start of the race. But again, if they don't go, maybe it's just some sort of common sense can be applied and just say, like, like you said, it's a similar thing as the restart rule. You still started on the flag. You can't, you can't jump as the second place car before that. But if the leader doesn't go, you can go, you know what I mean? I think that would be, that would be somewhat fair, but
1: I would agree with that. I I just, I I think Truex has got a point in this, Um, and it's something you probably need to explore. But I mean, again, how often does this happen, though? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: Jordan, earlier today, uh, there was an Xfinity Series race, and Noah Gregson won his second race in a row. Also, Dale Jr. um, came back for his one start of the year, and I'll be writing about that in my top five column on The Athletic, so please check that out. But, um, man, all of a sudden, Noah Gregson, after having pretty much a quiet season, not really uh, anything to write home about, like very disappointing winless he has two wins um, all of a sudden, and uh, one more Xfinity race before the the playoffs begin. Man, like, could he be a, a challenger, like as a sort of dark horse here for for the title? I mean, you have to think so. I mean, I think it's clear that Almendinger and
1: Cindric have separated themselves from the pack, and I think you know we both have them penciled in our final four. Why why would you not pick Gregson over some of these other guys? I mean, Harrison Burton is is consistently running up front, but he's not winning races. Um, all guys good um but again not winning races so I, I like the hot hand i like guys who are winning races and gregson seems to kind of have a little bit of perspective on things and kind of seems to be picking and choosing his spots a little bit now when to you know race aggressively and not he seems like a young driver who's kind of starting to figure it out a little bit so you know we, we've seen this before where guys young guys figure this out they get going and they start knocking them off i mean you could do a lot worse than picking Gregson to, to make the final four.
0: Um, Jordan, I have a story coming out about Noah Gregson in uh, going into Vegas, the start of the Xfinity playoffs, and I've been working on it since May, believe it or not. So um, I'm going to go ahead and give the, the athletic plug now that I usually give at the end of the show because <laughs> I just had a story about um, Kyle Bush this week um, about how he – goes to the track with Brexton to get away um, sort of from the distraction and focus on Brexton's racing this week. Coming up, I have a story about William Byron uh, going go-karting to prepare for the 750 tracks, which he's obviously going to need this week for Bristol. You had a huge look back at NASCAR um, after they, after nine 11, how they navigated through talking to Dale jr. And Mike Helton and Dale Jarrett and Jeff Burton, and even Lee Greenwood, who's saying proud to be an American, um, you got you a big piece on that. So we've got all the stuff in The Athletic, and we were just told, uh, we, we thought that the 50% off deal was going to end on um, September 13th, but it's apparently going so well that they have extended it to September 20th for the start of football season. And you get access to the entire site, uh, all our articles, and um, if you subscribe off our link from the teardown, both Jordan and I get credit um, for your subscription for new subscribers. So we really appreciate that. And the way you can do that is going to theathletic.com slash the teardown and you will see the 50% off deal for new subscribers.
1: Your Kyle Bush story, by the way, and if you haven't read it, I, I highly encourage people to check it out. It was really, really well done. And it is a side of Kyle Busch. I don't think many people knew existed, to be honest with you. And I don't mean that disparagingly. I hope it doesn't come across that way, but this is a look at Kyle Busch as a father with his son, and I, you know I kind of talked about this as you're reading it. I think people have probably a pre- preconceived notion about Kyle Busch as a father, and I think when you read this story, your, your your viewpoint of him is going to change a little bit. It's a really, really well done story.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. Um, which seems like it's a perfect time to antagonize you with the was it a good race poll? Not antagonized because I don't care. I'm not going to get mad about something
1: I don't care about. Whatever. What's your pick?
0: So, everybody, last week, despite us uh, being a little bit pessimistic on the chances of this happening, you all voted the Darlington race, the Southern 500, as the best race of the season so far. It made its way into the 90% club, and you gave me a victory. Because I was, uh, I think I said 86 or 88 or something, and Jordan had low 80s, and so I'm up one to zero to start the playoffs. Uh, my now eight race winning streak or something like that. I think you haven't won since like well before the Olympics. It's just, it's been a, it's been a tough, tough look here for Jordan. Again, but 90% club. I'm not upset because I don't care. So right. anyway, I pick first, right? Let's just move to you the. You pick beginning. first, yes. Great. Go ahead. Um. Okay. I actually, that's not a bad pick. That's not a bad pick, Jordan. I I thought that your optimism about this race, you might've gone in the seventies, which I don't think it's going to be, but I'm, I'm actually like, like I said, I, I, I know this is going out a little bit of a limb, but I'm, I'm really going to put my money where my mouth is here and back up what I'm saying about it not being a good race, because there's very few races lately Very, very, very few. I mean, I can't think of one lately that I would have voted no on and said that was truly a bad race. This one, I I don't think it was a good race. I would have voted no. And so because of that, I think despite the 750 truthers, um, I I think you're going to see a race potentially in the 50s. I'm going to go 58%, which could really get me in trouble. It really could. That's low. It is low. It's low. I I totally recognize that, and I'm a little bit scared, and I'm a little bit scared to be handing you a win but I don't know I just don't think that people judging from what I saw off Twitter all night and people saying get the poll ready I'm ready to vote no I just didn't see a lot of love for this one Rich people have been down on Richmond people are down on JGr people are down on Truex for whatever reason I I don't know I just think it's gonna be just gonna be kind of low that's all people just like to be low. If you notice the recurring theme there, people are just down in general. So maybe that's the, problem. yeah, but the the problem is, I mean, you voted, you have guessed lower than me, probably all eight weeks in a row. Or that's because they overcompensated because I was Johnny
1: optimism throughout the summer months. Cause we had just a string of great races and now, and then those that was not reciprocated by the voters. And so I figured. it's, I have no idea what a good race is. I don't know what people – how people vote. I'm just like – apparently I have to go the other direction. So, yeah. Well, and again, he, how we vote actually isn't how what I actually think my opinion always. It's just I, whatever – what we think voters are going to vote.
0: It's not necessarily what we think it's going to be. That's true, but it is somewhat what we think because we look at it and we're like – Not anymore. Not for me. No. Because, almost, no, because I, I mean,
1: there's races we've had. Where I'm like, OK, that was a really good race, but I'm going to scale it back because I know that there are going to be some people who aren't going to see it the way I do.
0: Right. But you 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 have your your opinion, then you sort of adjust for that. But you don't just say you don't just completely disregard your own opinion. I mean. You know, like you, you assume that other people sort of see it the way you do to a degree. Eh,
1: I have learned that my viewpoint on things when it comes to voting on races is very
0: narrow. <laughs> and that a lot of people are not don't see things the way I do. So um, if you're listening to this, uh, well, it's it's very early Sunday morning now as we finish up recording this. Um, unfortunately, we're a few hours away uh, from the F1 race in Monza, and we're just we're not going to be able to fit that into the recording because we're recording this right after NASCAR. And we're also missing the Portland um, IndyCar race which is the third to last IndyCar race of the year. Sorry about that. If you wanted to hear about that, just because um, we record this right after NASCAR and we know that a lot of people want to listen to it um, sort of as like their post-race thing. And we didn't want to wait for like a whole extra 24 hours or whatever to, uh, to wait for those two races. So apologies, F1 fans and IndyCar fans, we will get you uh, next week, hopefully. Although, I guess that's the Bristol night race, so we won't have Laguna Seca or whatever uh, after that as well. But I guess we could talk about the previous week. Um, Anyway, any final thoughts, Jordan, about uh, anything coming up or anything like that?
1: I think uh, Bristol's going to be intriguing. We talked about that. Some big names in the bubble. The the state of Hendrick Motorsports in in a year where they've dominated facing the real prospect that two guys could be knocked out in round one. And uh, if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic and you're listening to this, again, Jeff talked about it. We've got a great deal going on. we got a lot of great stuff coming out in the next, I don't know, what would you say, Jeff, next few weeks, next month? Really through the playoffs, I mean, if you think about it. So come on on board. I think you're going to love it. And college football starting up. And if you're a college football fan like I am, now is a great time. So you're, you can enjoy all the uh, great sports coverage across the landscape.
0: Jordan's. Oregon Ducks gave him a reason to smile. Uh,
1: it has been a it is a very good day and it's been a very good week so it's uh, I was very excited today. there's very few there, the Oregon Ducks are the only team that I actually passionately care about and I was like w- jumping
0: up and down
1: screaming clapping my hands very excited today. I don't think I sat down for the second half.
0: Just add that to the uh, the Jordan Bianchi lore everybody. Doesn't like children, doesn't like Christmas, loves the Oregon Ducks. Yeah. What a a mystery this guy is. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) Jordan, uh, we'll look forward to your coverage from the Bristol Night Race next week. Everybody, we we appreciate you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on The Teardown.